Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. Glad to have you with me. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, I am happy to have you. I, I want to I, I talk about something in a different way than we normally would talk about it. If you'll, well, you have to allow because it's my show. You have to. We, I think we can all agree, if you're not on the left, Joe Biden seems to have gone off the rails. The number one issue Americans are concerned about in every single poll is the economy. Sometimes it's broken out as the economy, inflation, jobs, gas prices, uh, but it's all inflation in the economy. It's it's all an encapsulation. Uh, more than half of Americans think that's the biggest concern. In some polls, it's more than a third of Americans. In most polls, it's more than half. And what is Joe Biden doing instead? He's worried about uh, boys being in girls' bathrooms and on girls' sports teams. He's worried about climate change. He's going to declare a climate emergency. His administration has announced they will do nothing that would incentivize oil companies to increase exploration domestically to produce more oil here. They want to instead transition us all to battery-powered cars, wind and solar power. And abortion. Abortion is a big one for him. Yesterday, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez pretended like she had had handcuffs placed on her at a protest and then was seen uh, mugging it up for the camera with the police officers who wanted pictures with her. And all of us look at this and we say uh, Biden has gone off the rails. By, well, he's not doing anything anybody cares about. What's going on here? Uh, this is just gross incompetence. I've been thinking about this, and I don't think it is gross incompetence after all. Now, I, I want you to bear with me, now, and, and keep in mind my background here is I ran political campaigns, and, and I've run campaigns in, in uh, brilliant seasons, and I've run campaigns in seasons where you knew it was going to be a disaster and you wanted to do what you could to make sure you won, even as all your compadres in, in your political party were going down. Uh, let me run some numbers for you, something that we don't talk about a lot. I think 100% of Americans out there, we're a nation of 325, 350 million people. Of the 100% of people out there, 66% are eligible to vote, more or less. The numbers have changed a little bit over time. It's been a while since I've updated this, but basically 66% of, of uh, America, and I should say adults, um, people over 18, 66% are eligible to vote. No, that is, it is everyone. Of all Americans, 66% of Americans are eligible to vote. 40% of all Americans are registered to vote. So of the 100% of the population of the 325 million people, really only 25% of them vote. 40% are registered to vote, and only 25% of that 100% of Americans actually votes. A quarter of the country actually votes. When you talk about, oh, 80% of the voters turned out to vote, it was massive election turnout. Well, you're not talking about 100% of the population. We're, you're talking about the 40% who are registered to vote. 
Typically, it's only about 25% of the entire population actually votes. So if 25% of the nation both registers to vote and votes, you need 13% of the nation's population in order to win an election. But now let's look at that 25% of people who vote. So you've got all 350 million Americans, 25% of the population more or less turns out to vote. Of that 25% of the population that turns out to vote, in every case, 9% of them will vote Democrat. In every single case, 9% will vote Democrat. In every single case, 8% will vote Republican in every single case. So of the 25% who vote, depending on which party you're in, 9% or 8% are completely off the table. That leaves you 8% up for grabs. Of the 8% that is up for grabs, 2% of them are 100% single-issue voters. They are climate change, they are abortion, they are guns, they are you name it. That leaves 6% of the population up for grabs. 6%. What's a majority of 6%? 4%. So of the 350 million Americans out there, you have to persuade 4% of them to vote for you. You got 9% of them will vote Democrat. 8% of them will vote Republican. 2% of them are single-issue voters. So let's look at the single-issue voters. What are the big issues? Guns, abortion, the environment, those tend to be the big issues. And then parents are now a growing factor there. But it's all about 2% of the total American population are single-issue voters. You need 4% to vote for you. Those 4% are not voting Democrat right now. Those 4%, they're not voting Democrat. They're not voting Democrat because they're mad about the economy. And they're mad about inflation. They're mad about their kids' schools. They're mad about lockdowns. They're mad about a lot of stuff. And they're mad at the incumbent party because the incumbent party always gets the blame. And the incumbent party is the party that controls the White House. That party is the Democratic Party. So that 4% is off the table. So if you are Joe Biden, you've got 9% of the total population is going to turn out and vote Democrat. In fact, the polling shows more Democrats who dislike Biden are still willing to vote for the Democrats then Republicans who dislike Trump were to vote for the GOP in 2018. Let me say that again so you understand what I'm saying here. This is important for you to understand. In 2018, a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of Republicans, but a statistically significant group of Republicans who hated Donald Trump refused to vote in 2018. They didn't vote Democrat. They just didn't vote. Of the Democrats similarly situated, there are more of them inclined to still go vote for the Democrats, even if they don't like Biden. So Biden's got them coming to vote for his team. He's not on the ballot. They'll vote Democrat. So now what does he do to expand those margins and make sure they come? What does he do for the the 2% of Americans who are single-issue voters? Well, he focuses on focusing on the issues that they care about.
it looks to be incompetence to you and me that Joe Biden is fixated on climate change and transgenders and abortion when so many Americans are focused on the economy. It's actually the best he can do to mitigate the damage of what's coming. What I actually think is happening, the more I think about this, is not that Joe Biden's Democratic political shop is completely out to lunch and incompetent. What I think is they have bought into the idea that if they maximize Democratic turnout, they minimize Democratic defeat. So they're focused on the issue that the core of their base cares about. Now, who's the core of their base? Rich, white, progressive atheists. Those are their donors. That's now the core of the Democratic Party. Hyper-progressive atheists. And they care about global warming. And they care about transgenderism. And they care about abortion. And they care about gun control. They care about all these things. They're wealthy. They don't care about the economy. They're not super impacted by the economy. And Joe Biden has got to get those people to turn out not to win, not to win. This is not about winning. It has not been about winning for a while. It's about saying, whoa, we got we got to minimize the damage. We got to make sure the Republicans only pick up the Senate by one instead of five. We got to make sure the Republicans only pick up the House by 20 instead of 40. What can we do? Well, we can't persuade the middle to come our way. We've we, it's it's we're too far gone. We can't do it. What do we what do we have to do? We have to stimulate the hardcore base of the Democratic Party who are white progressives. And the way you stimulate the white progressives is you focus on climate change. You declare a climate emergency. You say you're going to take on big oil. And you and I are sitting here thinking, you're going to provoke a backlash. You're going to alienate people. But if you're the Democrats and you're looking at your polling and Joe Biden is in the 30s, you're thinking, we have alienated every single freaking American we can possibly alienate. We got to get our base out to mitigate the damage. Otherwise, the wave is going to be really bad for the GOP. So you focus on climate and you declare climate emergency and you say you're going to stick it to the oil industry and you're going to rapidly transition us to solar and wind, not nuclear power. Gosh, no, you can't do nuclear power in this country. Nope. Then you focus on abortion. You go all hysterical. You hope that a few women die so the media can run sob stories on it. You, you start lying and saying ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages and the like that, that they could be in this situation. And, and in this situation, um, it, it's bad. And, and they actually spook some doctors and those doctors don't perform, uh, perfectly lawful and legal procedures to save these women's lives. You say, ah, see what's happening around the country. And you inflame your base. You use the bloody, gory stories and tragedies to inflame your base. You put boys in girls' sports and you dare those bigots to challenge you. Now, here's a problem with the strategy. First of all, the data suggests there are not enough Democrats out there. You turn out your base, you maximize your base. You can't actually stop the GOP from winning when they have all the independents with them. There's another danger here is in trying to mitigate the damage, what Biden is actually doing is he is escalating the departure of non-white voters from the Democratic coalition. 
black and Hispanic voters have way more nuanced abortion positions than those rich white progressives in the Democratic Party. You'll note I'm not saying Karen because some lady named Karen keeps complaining. But the rich white progressive women who worship Moloch, who are in charge of the Democratic Party, you can get all of them to come out and vote for their uterus and vote for Joe Biden, and you're going to alienate a lot of black and Hispanic voters. You go after transgenders and you put them on girls' sports teams, you're going to alienate parents. The risk that Joe Biden has in the strategy is alienating parts of the Democratic coalition who go vote Republican or stay home. But at this point, he has no other choice. What you and I are interpreting as just ignorance and competence and how are they so bad at it is actually, I think, upon further reflection, when I run the numbers in my head, when I think about the data, when I do the analysis, when I think about if I was a political strategist facing a tidal wave in front of me from the other party, what would I do to try to mitigate that tidal wave? Knowing it's coming, knowing I can't stop it, what do I do to mitigate the damage? Two things. One. I build up some infrastructure barriers with my base so that maybe they can withstand it when it hits. And two, I do what I can to weaken the wave. And what weakens a wave? An inverse wave, sine and cosine. Now I can't build a wave as high. I can't build a wave as strong. But if I can turn out my party base, the hardcore progressives, I can at least stop the Republicans from being able to pick up uh, areas of the country where Biden won by 10 or 15 points. That takes off maybe 15 to 20 seats from what the Republicans won in the House. It might keep the Republicans from winning the Senate. If they do win it, maybe they only win it by one seat. That's what's going on here. I think that's what's going on. That's why Biden this week is going to declare a climate emergency. That's why the media is going to go overboard on abortion, transgenderism, and climate. That's what they're doing. They're using the press to help them mobilize progressives not to beat the Republicans, not to hold the House, not to keep the Senate, but to minimize the gains the Republicans have. Why? Why? Because if you look at 2024 – If the Republicans maximize their gains in the Senate this year, they are all but guaranteed a filibuster-proof majority in 2024 because of the seats in play in Democratic areas that Trump won. If the Republicans do exceedingly well this year, they could get a filibuster-proof majority in 2024. So the Democrats have to maximize their gains to minimize the Republican wave that's coming. They can't stop it, but how do they weaken it so that the GOP in 2024 doesn't get a filibuster-proof Senate? The way they do it is to maximize all hands on deck, get out the vote. A wave is coming, and you guys have to stop the Republicans from in two years getting that filibuster. It may not work, but that's the best hand they've got to play, and that's what's actually going on. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep. The sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, 
they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bowling Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They they're, just, they're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Boland Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolandBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Boland Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a broadcast reader, we use Bolin Branch. You should too. Bolinbranch.com for 20% off site-wide. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, you are more than welcome to call in. Uh, I'm going to spend some time in the next hour talking about climate change. I, I have strongly held opinions on climate change that tend to make every single person mad. Might as well make everybody mad today. But first, I got to I, I got I, I to just say um, there's a story in the Washington Post that, OK, so for those of you who don't know, let me back up. Uh, there is this, uh, book series called Harry Potter. My apologies to the, the fundamentalist Baptists who haven't read it. It's actually a really good book series. And there's a game that is played in the air on broomsticks called Quidditch. Well, a bunch of, uh, generation Zers and young millennials decided literally to stick broomsticks between their legs and run across fields. Um, it's okay. The boys are like taking care of their ability to have children and sparing the rest of us from them, from, uh, they're, they're playing a fictional game on broomsticks on a field. We, we don't have to worry about them breeding with this game going on and they throw little balls around and, and it's, it's just kind of weird. Well, it's actually taken off much like the, the, uh, Jedi religion has taken off as something and, uh, they're changing the name of Quidditch. They're they're changing it, uh, and the reason that they're changing it is because Warner Brothers actually owns the name, and they can't trademark it. Since they can't trademark it, they can't expand it. Uh, so they're they're changing the name to something new. Uh, what I find very notable is how the press is covering it. The global body said one of the main reasons for the changes. J.K. Rowling um, and her anti-trans positions. The second reason is they can't expand the game and grow it into a mainstay because Warner Brothers owns the trademark. But of course, they'd rather you believe it's because of J.K. Rowling. Hi there. How are you? It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you'd like to be on the program. I, there's another White House story about dysfunction that doesn't contain anything about Ron Klain. I'm actually kind of curious about this phenomenon. Ron Klain is the White House chief of staff. The buck kind of falls to Ron Klain, who then um, 
relays all the information to Joe Biden. So Joe Biden gets final sign off. It's very much what a lot of senators do. I've had more than one Democrat, more than one Republican tell me, if you want to understand uh, the dysfunction in the White House, you need to understand that uh, they are operating it like a Senate office. And normally in a Senate office, the chief of staff vets everything narrows down the options to one or two things, the thing he wants and the thing he doesn't want, and then takes it to the senator and says, here are your two options. Knowing the senator is going to pick the option the chief of staff wants. That's pretty much what happens in the White House. Now, this does not dispute what I said in the previous hour. Yes, there's dysfunction, but uh, yeah, the, the, the political shop there, they won an election. They know how to win elections. They know how to mitigate their losses. That's what they're doing. The problem here is there is underlying dysfunction of the White House, making it very difficult for them to execute on these things. So, for example, on abortion, yes, the White House wants to focus on abortion to drive up the uh, progressive female vote. The problem is the dysfunction of the White House means they're not actually going to do anything on the issue. They, they're, they don't have the ability to execute. I mean, look how it took them weeks to come up with something they wanted to say. Same thing on climate, which we will get to. They want to declare a climate emergency, but then they don't really have uh, anything they can do with climate. And uh, on the heels of all of this, they've got, one, the Joe Manchin problem, but two, they've got the overall economic problem. Uh, Fox News polling is now out. Uh, voters prefer the Republican candidate uh, if they're extremely concerned about inflation by about 15 points. Joe Biden is 30 points underwater, according to the Nuclear Politics Average. Nearly six in 10 U.S. workers are concerned their paycheck is not enough to support them and their family, according to Bloomberg. Listen to this clip from CNN. A brand new CNN poll this morning. It finds that 75% of Americans say inflation and the cost of living are their top economic problems. 82% of Americans feel current economic conditions are poor, and nearly two-thirds of Americans feel that the economy is in a recession right now. Uh, that many people think we're in a recession. Listen to this from CBS. The threat of an economic downturn is shaking up consumers and small business owners. A recent survey taken by Goldman Sachs found 93%, 93% of small businesses fear a recession. And 89% are affected by inflation, supply chain issues, and workforce challenges. And that's going to cause all sorts of problems. So Joe Biden's answer is to focus on climate change and abortion, to fire up the Democratic base, to mitigate the damage. Well, here comes Joe Manchin. Uh, the criticism I'm getting uh, from the, the people who are saying what Joe Manchin strings, I'm not stringing you all. Don't you believe inflation is the number one thing in America right now that's hurting every human being? Apparently not at the White House. If they were to do that um, if they were to do that what you would see is progressives get very upset why are you talking about inflation when you're not talking about abortion why are you talking about inflation when you're not talking about climate change y'all you got to understand this it used to be, and the Democrats would have you still believe, that it was the Republicans were the party of the rich. You know, about 100 years ago, the Episcopal Church used to be referred to as the Republican Party at prayer. Go back 100 years in this country, 
and the Episcopal Church was referred to as the Republican Party at prayer. The Republican Party was the party of the wealthy, was the party of the elite, was the party of the gentrified class. Uh, they were all Episcopalian. And you had reporters refer to the Episcopalian Party, or the Episcopalian Church as the Republican Party at prayer. That's become the Democratic Party. The Episcopal Church is now Democrat. They're overwhelmingly rich and they're white. They're also dying out. The last, statistically speaking, listen, uh, I, I I like to poke fun at, at my Episcopalian um, friends, uh, but statistically speaking, all seriousness, the last Episcopalian has been born in this country. The church is declining so rapidly in this country. They're declining because they gave up on biblical orthodoxy and decided to reflect the world. And when you sound just like the world, why do you need to get up on Sunday and go to church? Just sleep in. You get the same thing. But you got to understand this phenomenon. Inflation and the economy doesn't impact the loudest voices in the Democratic Party. It, it may inter, inter, uh, impact the poorer members of the Democratic Party, but who cares about the poors? You really think some uh, Democratic Party official is going to go shop at Walmart with the poor whites? No. They're going to go to Target or they're going to shop online. They don't care. They don't feel your economic pinch. I mean, think about this. 1% of Americans think the economy is going very well. 20% think it's going fairly well on the CNN poll. They're all voting Democrat. Because they're all rich, they're all wealthy, and they don't care because they don't feel it. What do they feel? Their uterus threatened, even the men. They feel threatened by you and your desire to carry a gun. They, the Democrats, they're out to lunch on this issue. They've alienated themselves. They become so insular. Well, it, while all of this is going on, there's a White House shakeup happening. I find it notable that this is another story where Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff, is not mentioned. The White House is beginning the search for a fresh communications team. Anita Dunn has been brought back. She's a friend of, of Obama. She's a real good friend of, um, of Biden. She helped run the Biden campaign. She was in for a little while. She left to go back to her consulting firm. Now she's coming back to help. The White House is considering a major overhaul of its press and communication shop in the coming weeks, a staff shakeup that's aimed at putting a new team in place to drive President Joe Biden's message into November's midterm elections and in the months after voters decide whether his party retains control of Congress. The effort to revamp the White House press operation comes as Biden has expressed frustration that his message isn't breaking through to Americans and his approval ratings continue to hit new lows. While his aides prepare for him to seek re-election, one of Biden's top advisors, Anita Dunn, has begun interviewing candidates to be the next White House communications director, the first step in the overhaul. Dunn, who returned to the White House in May, is overseeing the broader plans to restructure the entire press office, which recently has seen significant turnover. Among those under consideration to be communications director are Liz Allen, the current assistant secretary of state for global public affairs, Kate Berner the current uh, deputy communications director, and Elizabeth Alexander, the communications director for Joe Biden. Jill, not Joe. 
Two sources familiar with the process said the search has prioritized candidates who have a previously existing relationship with Biden. The one source said the preference does not preclude additional possible contenders. Kate Bedenfield, who had been Biden's communications director as vice president in his 2020 campaign and since the start of the administration, leaves on Friday. And they're left behind with the dim-witted press secretary. What's her name? Corrine, uh, whatever her name is. She's terrible. I mean, y'all, I, I listen, I'm willing to acknowledge that a, a White House press secretary, even if I don't agree, is competent. Jen Psaki was a competent White House press secretary for Biden, even if I didn't think she did a great job, nor did I think she was a good press secretary, I could recognize at least that she had a semblance of knowledge of what her job was. This woman, I I mean, every day it's a disaster. Every single day, this woman just seems to say something inept. Every single day, Pete Ducey gets the better of her. You know, there were times Pete Ducey would spar with Jen Psaki. Psaki could actually um, get the better of him on occasion. Usually he got the better of her. This time, this woman, I mean, Pete Ducey could tie half his brain behind his back and still get the better of, the, of this. Corrine Jean-Pierre, that's her name. I mean, listen to her latest big pronouncement from the White House. Major pronouncement. So we are closely <laughs> monitoring extreme heat conditions. Uh, impacting much of Europe, as well as the extreme heat impacting the more than 100 million Americans who are struggling with extreme heat conditions here at home just this week alone. The impacts of extreme weather are intensifying across the globe, including here in the United States. No one is immune from climate change. It's why the president has been rallying the world to take the decisive action needed in this decade to tackle the climate change, uh, the climate crisis. It's also why the president is committed to taking aggressive action to tackle climate change and made clear if the Senate won't act, he will. She was reading. She was reading from a paper, which is fine when there's a lot of stuff to do. But, I mean, you, you can't digest that stuff and convey it in your own words. you got to read it. Why is she having to read? Jen Psaki at least could relay this stuff in her own words by glancing at the bullet points. And, and this woman can't do it. They've had to bring in John Kirby. Kirby is from the Defense Department or the yeah, the, the Defense Department, and they've had to bring him in to do double duty with this woman because he actually is competent at what he does. And when you point it out, say, Oh, yeah, she's not like her because she's a black woman lesbian. No, I don't like her because she's an incompetent moron. That's why. She's not good at her job. And behind the scenes at the White House, they know it. They can't say it publicly because the wokes will come for them. They gotta do a better job. They're not doing a good job. None of them are. We've got yet another White House shakeup in the communications office. At some point, at some point, at some point, maybe the White House will realize it's not the message. Right now, they seem to believe the presidency says, oh, if only my message would be heard. No, Joe, we're hearing your message. We're hearing the message. We just think you're out to lunch. We don't care about the climate and abortion right now. We care care about the economy. So I'm sorry, Joe. It's not the message. You can put in 
Uh, put in the, the the greatest order. I mean, put in Martin Luther King Jr. as as your as your spokesperson. Gives a fiery fiery speech every day behind the microphone on how how you're awesome. It doesn't matter. The, the orator doesn't matter. The messenger doesn't matter. The message doesn't matter when the policies are crap. And that's what they are. And that's why the voters are turning on you. But hey, at least you can maximize your base turnout. So you think to mitigate some of the damage. Unfortunately for you and me, there's a lot of damage that's still going to happen. A lot of that damage is going to be in your retirement savings. We're seeing 41-year high inflation now. Interest rate hikes, increased gas prices. They've gone down a little bit, but they're still really high. If you got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, your other retirement savings, you might want to reach out to my friends at Gold Co. and see how you can protect your money with physical gold and silver. Call 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are doing this. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their special offer. They've been helping thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation, stock market crashes, and so much more. They might be able to help you. Listen, instead of me giving you a toll-free number again, just do this. Text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text Eric to 33777. I'll send you back their toll-free number. Call Gold Co. See if they're a good fit for you, helping you with your retirement. Learn how to use, at least get their free guide on how to use precious metals to ease the ebbs and flows of your retirement portfolio. Yes, hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I want to talk to the folks at WDBO in Orlando, uh, where I'm now live. Now, the rest of you, don't get your feelings hurt, because I love you all too, but this is a new thing for them. They're wondering, who the heck is this guy? And I need to tell them in Orlando. If you text the word recipe, singular, not plural, recipe, no S on the end, just text the word recipe to 33777 every week, every week you get a new recipe in your email. And it's not one of those where I'm going to send you a bunch of pictures and give you my life story and tell you all the nuances of how I discover the recipe. And you got to scroll 5,000 pages before you get to just the ingredients and directions. Nope. It's just a little quick, quick blurb. Here's the recipe. Here's any notes on, on variations. Uh, here is the ingredients. Here are the directions. God bless. Have at it. I haven't figured out what recipe I'm going to send yet today, but today the recipe comes out. So for all of you anywhere in America listening, if you text the word recipe to 33777, I will send you back a link and you just click that link. You can subscribe or you can just click through the link, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's a free option and a paid option. The paid option, you don't have to worry about it. Everybody gets the recipes, but the people who want to uh, pay, I think it's like five bucks or $30 for a year or something like that. Uh, you just help me buy the ingredients, do the recipe testing and stuff and offset the cost of doing the recipe development. But nonetheless, everybody gets the recipe. So one's coming in about an hour. I haven't figured out which one I'm going to send yet, but I'm going to send one. So text recipe to 33777. Now, why do I do this? Kind of off the wall, I realize. But uh, we are increasingly a nation of people who we go out to restaurants to eat or um, we don't have people over. And I'm a real big believer that you and I should be able to break bread with people, even if we don't agree with them politically. We, everybody Now, there are occasionally some people who are just malcontented souls. And you will never be able to find any common ground with them on anything. They're just curmudgeons. They're terrible people. 
Um, but, you know, I would like to think that I could sit down and have a, a meal with someone I disagree with. Let's take Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. God help me. I wonder if she'd come in her fake handcuffs. Um, nonetheless, I just I, I think I could probably cook a meal and find something not political on which we could have a nice conversation. Even if we disagreed, we'll stay out of politics. But I just think it's healthy for society for you and me to actually take this whole love your neighbor thing seriously. And part of loving your neighbor is, I think, being willing to break bread with them, even if you you have nothing in common with them. I, I personally think if you're a person of faith, uh, and, and scripture says, love your neighbor, you should be the sort of neighbor who's so nice to your neighbors and and, and kind uh, that the, the transgender couple across the street should still want to leave a house key with you, even if they know you think they're kind of nutty and they're not actually, and they got a mental health problem because of transgenderism, but they still think you're a great neighbor, even if you don't agree on the whole transgender thing. I, I just think you got to be a good neighbor to people, even if you don't like them politically. I will tell you, I had a neighbor one time. Uh, before we moved, one of the reasons we escalated our departure from our old house, they were fantastic neighbors. I call him Crazy Pete. And Crazy Pete was a fantastic neighbor. And back in 2008, he had an Obama sign in his yard, and I had the McCain-Palin sign in my yard. And we still got along great. Their dog got out of the house. I took care of their dog, uh, got their dog back to him. When we had a baby, they brought over a baby gift. Everything was fine. And then at some point, MSNBC named me, Keith Olbermann had a show. And Keith Olbermann named me the worst person in the world. I didn't, I mean, my neighbor didn't really know what I did for a living. I had been a lawyer. And he didn't really understand blogging, conservative blogs and stuff. That dude turned from being the nicest neighbor to would literally stand in his yard and heckle me and my kids if we were in the front yard. If my kid fell or something, toddler, like three years old, he'd laugh at the kid, uh, hurl pejoratives at us. Um, it was the most bizarre thing, uh, just broken by politics. And and I just think you got to be a good neighbor as best you can, and you should be able to break red bread with people. So text recipe to 33777. When we come back, I'm going to make everybody mad, everybody probably, maybe not everybody, on why I don't care about climate change in any way, shape, or form, even though, yeah, I kind of think it might be happening.